0: You're really not supposed to read your Bible just back to front. It's a lot more involved in that. Uh, The most accessible bits don't always occur in, like, sort of order from the Bible. There are some good bits when you meet a new person and they want to know what book of the Bible to read. You should point them not necessarily to Genesis, where they have the, the Nephilim and some weird stuff going on later on. You... Give them perhaps a gospel, you know, the Gospel of John or uh, uh, something like that. Um, now, you may have noticed there are other books, like the Bible, that you don't necessarily, or you're not always best to start at the beginning. One of my favourite uh, sorts of these books that you don't just read front to back is this one uh, by Peter Craft. Um, And it's titled, uh, Before I Go, Letters to Our Children About What Really Matters. It is a collection of stories, thoughts, proverbs, and parables. It's a great coffee table book to have. You have it on the side, and you sort of dip in and out of it. Um, And and I've used it in in, uh, sort of slices of it in sermons before. But I want to read you the introduction, because it says this. My dear children... I give you this book about the most valuable life lessons I have learned because I want to give you everything I can. Hopefully you can agree with that sentiment. And writing books is something I can do. I wish I had given you more of myself, that I had been stronger, wiser and more present father to you. This book is a poor substitute for that but its motive is not poor its motive is my love for you which is stronger than my love of life itself i wish i'd shaped that love into stronger forms any parent if only he or she is honest humble and loving must regret not having had godlike powers to fulfill the godlike responsibility of being a god standing a parent What a job. All the other jobs in the world combined can't compare. Jesus didn't have to write any books because he lived all his teachings perfectly. I really like that sentence and I'm still kind of wrestling with it and its implications. Jesus didn't have to write any books because he lived all his teaching perfectly. No one else ever did. That's why we write books for each other. All books say, Do as I say, not as I do. Even the Bible was written by sinners. Love can take many forms. Let my love for you now take the form of this book true it is not an it is not an adequate substitute for the living words of a person any more than banging on a drum is a substitute for being a drummer yet jesus accepted the little drummer boy's gift so please accept mine in the same spirit as a gift of love the order of these life lessons is random, deliberately undeliberate. They come in the order in which they were written, like life itself. And I'd love to read you some of them, but we haven't got time, so just going to put that to one side. I really hope, as I read those words, that you could feel Kreyf's sense of responsibility to the next generation. There is this... Twin admission. There is this mission of feeling inadequate. I am not up to the task of teaching the next generation what life is all about, but an intense and strong desire to help them know what is best and what pitfalls to avoid. If we have lived any life at all, we know the mistakes that we've made and the good choices that we have chosen. Now, the world at large takes some of these sentiments and imagines that good things to pass on to children are health, wealth and power. These things seem on the surface to be very important. You know, make sure your child is healthy, make sure uh, they are prosperous and succeed and give them uh, importance in this time. But Believers, those who follow Jesus, we know that there is an even better thing to pass on. We can have an even better inheritance in our children's lives. And we know the best thing is that living, breathing faith in Jesus. They might not have anything else, but if they have that faith in Jesus, we have passed on to them the best possible thing. And in a church context, it's thrilling because it does not matter whether you have biological children in this community. It does not matter whether next door there is someone uh, that is descended from you in the next room or not because we are as a community are together and we ha- all have ownership of these children and we all have a responsibility to them. None of us are unconnected to those children next door. And we should all feel Peter Crave's compulsion to pass on to them the best. Not just good things like wealth and health and power, but the best thing, which is Jesus. If um, If you've got a Bible, turn to the book of 2 Timothy. I really wanted to continue our series of 1 Peter, but too many things happened in August for me not to uh, address this subject. So it says this. I've got time. I'm going to read uh, most of chapter 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God... He has no problems with identity, does the Apostle Paul. In keeping with the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my dear son. Everyone say dear. dear. Everyone say son. son. Timothy is not related to Paul. Nevertheless, Paul senses this incredible feeling of ownership and responsibility and compassion for Timothy. Grace, mercy, and peace from God, the Father, and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God, whom I serve as my ancestors did, with a clear conscience as night and day. I constantly remember you in my prayers. I hope, I really hope you can feel that sense of responsibility that Timothy feels, uh, that Paul feels for Timothy. I wonder if you've ever felt that for Samuel, or for Carlitos, that you pray night and day for them because they are on your mind. Um, Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I might be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother, Louis, and in your mother, Eunice. Shout out to the grandmothers And mothers that look after their kids and lead them to Jesus. And I am persuaded now lives in you also Timothy. There's this interesting lack of father figures here and yet Timothy seems to have done all right. For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. What on earth is that? Well... Verse seven: For the Spirit of God, the Spirit God gave us, does not make us timid, but gives us power. Everyone say power. power. Everyone say love. love. And everyone say self-discipline. self-discipline. <laughs> the sort of uh, the volume went down over each one. Everyone's up for a bit of power. Self-discipline's uh, less uh, appealing. Do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. He saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we've done, but because of his own purpose and grace. And there we have a little summary of the gospel that hopefully you should all recognize and value and appreciate. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. But it has now been revealed through the appearance of our Saviour, Jesus Christ, who has destroyed death. Can I have a hallelujah? Hallelujah! Do you know, I don't even have to go a second time. I feel that was a, a good response. He has destroyed death and brought life and immortality to life through the gospel. And of this gospel, I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. That is why I'm suffering as I am. Yet this is no cause for shame, because I know who I have believed. And I'm convinced that He is able to guard what I've entrusted to him until that day. What you heard from me. Everyone say, from me. From me. Keep as a pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Wow, that is an epic start. Paul doesn't know how to do little beginnings. Or, excuse me, do you mind if you uh, pay attention? Paul sort of goes in uh, a hundred miles an hour and he's. tells us something of what seems to be his favourite student, the person that he feels an extraordinary passion and affiliation and affection for. And we are given a slight insight. I don't know whether Timothy sort of rolled his eyes. Do you have to mention my mum, Paul, like so that everyone else knows? But Paul celebrates. He goes, your mum, Louis... She loved Jesus. And that's an amazing thing. And it seems likely, though it's not explicit in the text, that Louis passed her faith down to Eunice. And Eunice loved Jesus too. And so Louis and Eunice suddenly had a little boy, Tim. And little boy, Tim, he didn't stand a chance. He had a praying grandma. He had a praying mum. Every turn, there was probably Bible verses on the walls, little fridge magnets... And, little Tim, do you think Jesus would like that? As he sort of stuck his hand into the cookie jar. They passed on this vibrant faith to their little boy. A Christian upbringing. And I realise we've got some Christian kids who would sort of go, I'm not sure about this. But being brought up in a Christian household is an incredible blessing. We struggle to sort of work it out and they sometimes do it imperfectly but it is an extraordinary blessing by and large so after Paul tracks this Progression. he mentions this mysterious thing, and, and people have argued about it for 2,000 years, because theologians love nothing better than argue over a small phrases. And we hear this phrase of laying on of hands. But he doesn't just say laying on of hands, he says laying on of my hands. We aren't told what this is, but it suggests that the Apostle Paul didn't just know Tim through some sort of correspondence project, wasn't like a remote learning uh, institution. It seems that Paul knew Timothy firsthand. And part of that knowing was this mysterious laying on of hands. And it's generally accepted that Paul commissioned Timothy. It was either like an ordination or some sort of uh, 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 commissioning that sort of established and set Timothy aside for the work of the gospel. And we've certainly got two great letters written to him. Paul was involved at this strategic point in Timothy's life where he was released into a new chapter and now Paul is looking back on it and as he writes he goes Tim I want you to remember what happened when I laid my hands on you and we release you into God's work now you and I can't go around laying hands on everyone we want and making pastors, or otherwise chaos uh, uh, would ensue, you know? And my little certificate in my study wouldn't mean anything if you all made pastors of everyone else in your room. But I want to suggest that this marking of a milestone in Timothy's life, Paul's deliberate laying on of hands at a specific time and space, gives us insight into one of two ways. So I've only got two points for you to remember, uh, which should be very easy. Um, so, And it brings us to the very first thing for, we can do for the next generation. For that gaggle of messy, snotty, noisy children out the back that many would regard just as a nuisance, we've got two things that I would like us to think of them in terms of To the world at large. So to everyone, as far as I know, in Bewbush and everyone else, the biggest event in this chap's life in the last week or two was the beginning of school. And that's what everyone asks, isn't it? How was your first day at school? So on Wednesday, he did like an hour. And then on Friday, he did uh, a morning. And I'm not sure he blinked or was fussed. And he was like, this is it. This is what I'm doing now. But that is not the most important thing that's happened with Miles. Miles has actually had two bigger things happen to him in the last week. Two bigger milestones that I will be reminding of him the rest of his life. Now both Sam and I have been to school. Anyone here been to school? Yeah. excellent. If you haven't been to school, you would be struggling with the Bible and words and, and stuff like that. Um, but we've all known school. And school, at least my experience, was it wasn't always easy. There were difficult bits. There were bumps in the road in my education. Sometimes I didn't really fancy going at all. And so Sam and I have sat down and, and, and we love Jesus and we, and we love our kids. And We have made this decision. We want them to know Jesus before they know the Department of Education. We want them to know Jesus before the peer pressure mounts up. Um, you should listen to the bizarre songs that are being sung in my house this week. I've got no idea where they picked them up for. And if you actually read the lyrics on a a lyrics website, as I did, you might slightly be concerned, and they're, like, really young. So the the influence of school is potent. And Sam and I were like, you know what, we're going to introduce them to Jesus before that happens. And so Job and Sophia... Before they went to school, they knew Jesus. They confessed him as Lord and Saviour. And we don't know how much they took in at that time, but we made sure um, that it was at least something on their radar. So Monday, I came home from work. Uh, We both had uh, a busy day. And I was like, look, school's starting. And I was like, Sam, I think it's about time we introduced Jesus to Miles. And Miles to Jesus. And we were talking and Miles was over here and he was like, yes, I want to do that. I want to know Jesus. And Sam and I were well, look, we're going to do it at bedtime. You know, we we're sort of processing it around. And he was like, no, now, now is the time of my salvation, saith the Lord. Um, so 4.30 p.m. on the 2nd of September, Miles repeated a prayer as a four-year-old and welcomed Jesus in. Yes, Amen. Uh, yeah, Okay. Now, there is a caveat. Little fishies at River Camp may have already made him do that. We're not sure. They love doing that sort of thing. Um, and he may do it in a fuller sense as he grows up. You know, his understanding is that of a four-year-old and sort of ten-months uh, uh, kid, so we're not sort of uh, claiming um, that it's all completely done and dusted... But he made a deliberate prayer to Jesus to welcome him in. And there was uh, a confession of repentance. Even at four-year-old, he knows he's a sinner. And the idea of salvation, redemption and rescuing is something he can relate to too. It is good practice, by the way, if you uh, love Jesus... To be able to reduce your faith down so a four-year-old understands it. And if you can't reduce your faith down so a four-year-old understands it, I would suggest you may not know what you believe. We need to be able to talk to kids about Jesus in the way they understand. Otherwise, we may not actually know what we're talking about. Now, kids can be wary, and they can be unclear. So... Miles loves church, river camp, singing songs to Jesus, that sort of thing. Um, But they need leadership. You don't let them choose um, anything. You give them clear choices. Um, And it is good as a parent or as a fellow person in church, when children are involved, to be encouraging and to bring clarity. It is good to say, these are the choices available to you, and also, go for it. We really think that this is really important. Now, as he gets older... I will be reminding of Miles of that moment that he chose Jesus. Sometimes it will be when he's out of order and he needs to be reminded that he's made a confession to follow Jesus. And sometimes it will be a period of doubt. I can remind him. Do you know what? This is the moment you trusted in Jesus and Jesus has got your back for the rest of your life. And sometimes it can be highs. Oh, life is so good. And that's because Jesus has got your back. And sometimes, oh, what am I going to do? Don't worry, Jesus has got your back. It's this wonderful reference point, this milestone that we can refer to. The second great point happened this morning. While you were unaware, Miles took his first communion we've had essentially four years of him whinging that his brother and sister could grab a great hunk of bread and a great goblet of grape juice and down these, and he was forbidden from doing so. Today, took him out back, and Carlitos joined us, and we did a little question and answer series of what does this mean, what do you believe... Um, There were some confused answers, but I think, generally speaking, they kind of get the gist of it, um, and then they scoff the bread and down the grape juice. And I'm really sorry for the taste of the grape juice, but it's the only thing I can uh, find. Um, It's got really high sugar, and my daughter absolutely loves it. So, in that respect, we will be getting more of it, because uh, the kids enjoy it. I once bought communion wine... uh, and they hated that. I bought non-alcoholic wine, and they hated that. And so um, I found a grape juice that my kids love, so we might be sticking with that. I didn't ask Beth permission, and I'm sorry, Beth. Um, Five years ago, five years ago, I I was looking through my pictures going back, and I was like, What do you mean it wasn't last year or the year before, the year before? Five years ago, Tim and Rachel celebrated with Beth another milestone. As an adult believer, and I don't mean am they legally available to drive or drink or vote, I mean as a sentient, independent person who can think for themselves, who can Um, get over peer pressure and get over adult pressure and make her own mind up, she decided publicly to get baptised in open water because that's the only way we know. Um, And then we've seen Isaac do it. We have seen Beth and Isaac have this milestone in their lives. And maybe, no pressure, Jacob, um, we might see Jacob... Next, when questions arise and doubts and discouragements occur in the Beaver household, and even though they may seem like the perfect family, and and I acknowledge that, um, they must have them at some point. Um, And they can point to that Southwater Park moment when they baptised and said, you know what, you made a confession as a child, and you made this decision as an adult to go under the water in public view and say, I follow Jesus. And that is a beautiful thing. And we will encourage you and support you and point to that. Friends, we cannot vaguely or passively hope our community's kids love the Lord. You know, oh, yeah, I just hope one day they just pick something up from church and might love Jesus, we have to do it deliberately and intentionally. I think the primary focus is on the parents. You're the ones that have them. You're the ones that are primarily responsible for them. And so uh, I think it's perfectly within our right to take the initiative to say to little Johnny, right, let's talk about Jesus. You know, bring him up and let's thrash out his importance to your parents and see if he's important to you and guide them in how to express that it's not jesus is my mate jesus is my savior it's not jesus was a nice guy that lived 2000 years ago jesus is an ongoing reality in your parents life and so we guide and help and foster and cultivate a good faith and we will certainly do it with our children they will be singing less of this guy Um, riding on a horse that has got some dodgy words later on in the song and they will be singing more of the stuff um, that we enjoyed during communion and so I'm sorry if the song was a bit brash and high tempo for you but we have a range of people and it's not just the vocal ones that don't like stuff that we look to encourage their faith we remember the vulnerable and those that don't say anything and so we look out for the kids sometimes as well. Um, And secondly, you may not be the primary carer of a child out the back, but we all have a duty and responsibility to look out for them, to come alongside them, to make them feel important. It is not just the old and infirm that are vulnerable in our community, it's the children. And we get to make things happen with the parents' consent. I'd be a little bit bummed if you got... Miles to confess Jesus as Lord and Saviour, and I didn't get a look in, Uh, but with like sort of deference to the parents to encourage um, a faith in them. It is vital, and it's a joy, which is kind of nice, to assist these young people through the landmarks and milestones that prove the progression of faith, because there is a progression. There is that confession, there is that communion, there is that baptism, there is that ordination. We haven't had one of those yet, but perhaps that's next. Um, And it's good to see those markers and and, and praise them and and, uh, uh, celebrate those. Now, River Camp is expensive and inconvenient and difficult and it's a lot of preparation to go to and it's a heck of a lot of work to sort of disentangle yourselves from it. You often don't get any sleep uh, and there's lots of grumpy people there at one time or another. But, (laughs) while I've sold it to you, the tailors have seen it as a good investment. Now, I'm not saying it's... uh, You're out of order if you don't go, but it's just something in our personal experience it has been helpful. Um, While we were there, we found there were quite a few parents who found that there were other camps closed and they knew that they needed their kids to get into the Power Pack ministry, and so they came to River Camp just for the Power Pack children's ministry. They didn't fancy camping either, but they knew their kids needed more Jesus in their lives. Now, my mum was filled with the Holy Spirit, Um, after many years of waiting, at a residential conference at this time when you go away from your home and spend time in Jesus' presence. And I kind of have this romantic idea that my kids will be filled with the Holy Spirit at River Camp. I really pray that is when we're away, you know, focused as a family on Jesus, that they will uh, look for the Holy Spirit and then they will start speaking in tongues. And you know what? I'll be right there to hear about it and talk about it and process it and explain it and lead them on to say it's not just speaking in tongues you can look forward to. There's prophecy and healing and all sorts of other gifts the Holy Spirit has got for you. And River Camp's really good for that. Friends, I don't say these things as a rule. You don't have to um, get your child to become a Christian at four before school. You don't have to uh, um, baptise them at a a particular point. You don't have to go to river camp. But these are uh, my family's way of navigating these things through. And it I'm encouraging everyone here to reflect on these children and what we long for them and what direction we would have them take and the influence we want to have on them. I was talking to another pastor in Crawley on Friday. It's interesting how many discussions I've had on bringing up children, especially in August. And we were talking and he was saying um, they sort of did the same thing with their kids as young, confessing Jesus, Um, but they wouldn't let their kids have communion uh, uh, till they got baptised as adult believers and I was like man that's a long time to put miles off eating communion Um, and so it might have been a little bit more expediency in my reflections uh, than the other but there are different ways of doing it and you don't have to do it the own way but I think these milestones are important it is good to have them in your mind and to be able to come alongside these children and encourage them in their faith and so I, I just ask you to think about them them to be on your radar. You are part of a community. This is not just how we can bless David and Rebecca and Barry. It's not, I need my batteries recharged. It is a community working towards um, our uh, salvation. Now, these milestones are important, and, and we've just had a few as a family, which is Probably why um, I'm uh, saying something now. This moments of laying on of hands are not enough. You can't go right. Job Miles is fair. They're Christians. That's it. I can neglect them and get on with Jesus blessing me. It's not how it works. It is obvious. In the rest of the beginning of 1 Timothy, that Paul didn't just swoop in for the big ordination and then get on with life. He didn't just come in as a big speaker, go, you're ordained, buddy, and then fly off on his missionary trips to Spain. He cared for him on a daily basis. If he wasn't with him physically, he prayed for him. He nurtured his faith and, uh, taught him actual facts it's not just about going miles don't do that be nice to your brother and sister it's good to share it's about telling him who jesus was it's about telling him where jesus is now it's about saying what the holy spirit gets up to what the holy spirit looks like and what he doesn't look like in this community of faith we have the same daily duties to these kids Let me tell you, it starts by turning up. God bless each one of you that have turned up this morning because it makes church a little bit more interesting for kids. If the building's full, it's a case of people come here voluntarily without my dad badgering them at home. And these guys seem to voluntarily love Jesus rather than any sense of legality or uh, uh, compulsion. So thank you to even turning up. Thank you to everyone that comes week in, week out. Sam and I bring our kids here and we are pleased there are other people in this building uh, when we hold a Sunday meeting. You may not feel like the Lord has blessed you abundantly this week, but by coming here, you set an example to these kids that you are faithful in your attendance of church, you are faithful in your commitment to Jesus, that Jesus may not have healed your shoulder of a long-term sort of disability, but still you love him. You, he may not have majestically and magnificently provided you with that um, sort of finances that you prayed for or something else, but you turn up, and my kids see that. Kids see a lot of stuff. Kids watch. Kids know. Who can they expect on a Sunday morning? And they know who are flaky. They know who... Uh, is intentional and deliberate and who is kind of on the fringes and isn't that bothered. I really appreciate that we have young people and teenagers and young adults and middle-aged people and OAPs who love Jesus. They need to see the full spectrum of age-loving Jesus. It is no good if we were just a bunch of young hipsters, however cool that might seem, because they need to know what it looks like when you're old, when everyone's flown the nest and your bones are creaking and that you can still love Jesus in that place. So, It's fantastic that anyone turns up, and I'm grateful to you, and you have made my life easier because of that. However, if you are up for it, there is even more to helping our kids than turning up for a Sunday morning meeting. There's a really obvious one. Back there, we have Sunday school. If you know Jesus um, and your life is not out of whack, you are welcome to come back. We'll get you a DBS and you'll teach the children. We need Sunday school teachers. We can't just have Sam again and again being the only one back there. Um, If you did it once every couple of months, Sam could have a holiday probably get involved. We spend $40 a month, because it's an American thing, on children's work. There's video, word searches. A lot of it is done before you. You just need to turn up having not killed anyone or got caught in any outrageous sin. And you go back there and you teach our children your love of Jesus. And we've got the material there. And um, I'm going to suggest to you, you need to volunteer. Sam's not going to hunt you down. We are tired and sick of hunting people down go, you want to do Sunday school? Oh, okay, then. And then they go to Sunday school, oh, I can't do it this week and I can't do it that week and you're just, uh, uh, um, you're, it's just hard at work. We just do it ourselves and that's guilty. That's why Tim does worship every week because it's just hard work. But let me suggest, and we'll perhaps do worship another week, go and volunteer for Sunday school. If you love Jesus and have any grasp of the English language, go and volunteer. We'll get you a DBS and you can go back there and teach Miles what it looks like to love Jesus. He needs to know that it's not just his dad that's a wacko. He needs to know that other people like him too. That other people think that Jesus is okay. That he has made an impact on their lives. There's no sign-up sheet. I don't think Sam even knows I'm going to ask for volunteers. Um... Go back there and say, Sam, sign me up once every couple of months. That would be ace. So turn up, do Sunday school once in a while, um, and there are other things too. Some of us, I don't get this. Some of us talk and act in this place as if kids don't matter. We have conversations that are wildly inappropriate for children. And they're running around and we overhear them. And you go, you know what? If you're going to have a conversation like that, have it privately. Be aware that there are little Carlitos' bombing around and then they'll hear how you talk about someone, what you say about them, the conversations and uh, directions you are taking. Look out for them and remember they are vulnerable and they are valuable. They are not an inconvenience. They are not here just to be shuttered away out the back so they don't make a noise so you can be recharged by the Holy Spirit. They are as much part of this community as anyone else sitting here. All right. (laughs) It's interesting what you get a hallelujah for. They are important and we need to value them. And we need to watch out for them and stop Job climbing on those plastic roofs in the garden. <laughs> and you are okay sometimes to have a firm word with my children. It's interesting. I remember all sorts of disciplined occasions when I was a kid um, up at Langley Green Church when some, uh, someone who wasn't my parents said, you are not going to be doing that. Sometimes it's good to have talk to the parent, and sometimes feel free to say, Job, that is a terrible idea. Do not do that, please. You're okay. You're part of this community. If you love Jesus, then I release you to guide my children well. Unless I've already said it's okay for him to climb the roof, then butt out. (laughs) Then there's all the stuff we get up to during the week beyond sunday morning i encounter these children not just on a sunday morning but in the day you know we encounter the kids in the shops in the community center Um, sometimes they come around our house other people's kids and you've got to watch what you say you've got to watch how you say it they pick up if you use um harsh language about others they will do it they'll be like that's what my parents do, that's what these other people in the church do, it's absolutely fine. I can deride and run down these people and it's, it's okay. Let us speak love and kindness when they're around so that they know that the people that love Jesus are very good at doing that. If all we do is bicker and snipe how we don't like the communion wine, then that's hard and it's not something that anyone's going to get on with. I don't like the communion wine, but... Let's make a space where children are incorporated rather than shoved off to the side. Be aware of what you do with your um, time. I was fascinated. So I was writing this sermon, and then I was like, I do love watching Danish thrillers. I don't know what it is. And then I was thinking, and so what what do my kids do? They watch um, YouTube stuff. And I was like, I used to read a lot more when I was a kid so I tried yesterday put stuff down and read more stuff because reading and uh, um, other activities that lend themselves to the Christian life are a bit better than just binge watching parks and recreation or something. So, pay attention to what you spend your time doing. I don't think Danish thrillers are anti-Christ but I think it's good to be aware of what we spend our time to, because they'll, they'll come in. It's good to hear that. <laughs> Let me suggest, and this is probably a little bit more for the parents, watch what they're watching on their YouTube. I thought I had it nailed. Um, then we were uh, watching... So we were watching Minecraft videos. They love them. And then this Calvin Klein jeans ad came up where two very amorous guys were involved. And I was like how did that get on? What do I have to do to stop that getting on? So I went into, and it seemed our TV settings had a different settings from their pads, which has a different settings from my phone. I had to go in and find out how to get those Calvin Klein jeans, amorous guys off my TV, so they wouldn't watch it. And then we were watching something else, and it's a case of Yeah, you can't subscribe to that particular YouTuber anymore. It's really complicated. And adults are very good at just, oh, we'll forget about it. Um, But try and look into it and see what you can guard your kids against. My kids will know now that Peggy 3 apps on their phone are good to download. And one of the first things when they ask what it is, um, when they ask to download something, is it's Peggy 3, Dad, it's fine. And Peggy Free, t- I think, means that it's not going to have ex- expletive content. If you are a parent and don't know what Peggy Free is, then that's a great place to start. Mm-hmm. Let's watch, watch these kids, because if, if you know how much media we consume, and you know that, that that's as they grow up, that's probably going to increase. So, Peggy Free, there you go. Um... And celebrate particular forms. Let me say, reading's really helpful if you love Jesus because the Bible comes in the form of text, so uh, encourage, whether it's audiobooks or reading and writing and stuff that will get them involved in actual words, rather than, Dad, I just want to watch Manga Bible. I'm like, oh, I'm not too sure about that. Uh, I think art is uh, very good being creative. I think that's part of, sort of God's uh, image for us. Uh, and so uh, there are not... Uh, just a shed load of iPads out the back for Sunday school. We try and do other stuff so that they can enjoy being creative. And Messy Church, again, it's not just some digital media experience, it's something where they make stuff and, and do stuff. Um, on yesterday, um, so when you're past you, you, try and think of things and uh, this is just a sort of more of a sermon illustration this is not how I run my life uh, but Miles wanted to watch something on his pad and I was like right, you make me something out of Lego before you go and do it and he, and he made this really good thing and he spent ages on it and I think there's that, there's that uh, sense of let, let's make sure uh, that, that our kids um, are exposed to the, the full range of, uh, uh, of activities um, <laughs> I remember having a conversation on the football field with a parent about sending ch- children to school. And this child and um, this parent was a Christian. They're like, oh, I want my child to go to a Christian school. And I, and I was like, You know, I know these Christian schools. I know uh, some of the vicars and whatever that's involved. And they are no more Christian than some of the other schools. Uh, uh, They're sort of often dominated by Ofsted, and their Christian input uh, is why the Lighthouse Club goes into almost all schools, because they need to supplement their teaching. And so I was like, I want my child to be salt and light, and so he's going to the nearest comprehensive school, and... He's going to shine Jesus there, whether he likes it or not. And uh, that's I thought was my um, line of thinking. And that thought, I'd probably end up preaching it one day. I've had some great talks with some parents recently in the last month where I'm up for negotiating. I've had some great... We had uh, River Camp, there was this great guy, and he was in charge of a Christian school. Um, And I thought Christian schools, you know, you're not going to acclimatise your kid to society they're going to sort of be backward and they're going to be you know it's just not going to be good for them at all and then I listened to this guy and he was like I want my kid to go to your school but he lived in Manchester and their school's there I was like oh I can't really send my kid to a private school in Manchester it's going to be a bit out of whack but there was a case of you know what I think and this is admission here I think as long as parents have prayerfully and deliberately looked into these things um then god bless you on your choice yes. um we i was talking to our missionaries ian and katie who are in macedonia and initially when they went out there they were like yes their children will be salt and light in those macedonian schools and they're blessed the socks off all the other kids and then they sort of looked into it further and um uh, they've kind of done a little bit of about 10 they were like yeah we're gonna homeschool Man, because um, that's the best way to get Jesus into them. And the thinking is, they're not fully grown disciples always ready for everything the world has to throw at them. And I think it's okay to look out for them and nurture them and teach them. We, I still just hang on to my, they're going to be salt and light in the school. Um, I still think that's best uh, for us but I want to encourage you to think about it. Um, And if there's that to be thought about, there's probably all sorts of other aspects of my child's welfare that I haven't thought through, but I encourage you to do so. We're a community. We're supposed to look out for each other. Um, You do not have permission to have a go at me because I haven't sent my kids to um, a a Christian school, though, because uh, we've had a prayerful account for Sam and I, but might be open to other discussions. Um... beyond all of that um, we celebrate kindness so when Miles and Job and Sophia share stuff we just lift them on our shoulders and sort of celebrate them around the house because these are really good moments and when they're out of order we make clear that they are out of order and it's not just because they've made life inconvenient but because it's um, something Jesus doesn't like and they know Jesus doesn't like it and and, and you sort of bring it home a little bit more Um, and sort of selfish behaviour and all that sort of thing. Um, I'm kind of quite book-orientated, and I realise that, and I'm trying to be sensitive. Um, But before my kids go to sleep, I try and read them a Christian story. Now, we have got into How to Train a Dragon recently, which has kind of undermined the uh, potency of this aspect of the sermon. But over the years, okay, so maybe not... In July, we weren't involved in this. But over the years, we have looked into sort of C.S. Lewis's Narnia Tales. We have looked into, and David Virgo gave us a great set of Patricia St John uh, books. John Houghton... um, I was kind of reading into him, and he seems, um, uh, I think he's a Christian humanist, so we're not quite sure how far that goes. But there are certain signs of good versus evil and redemption and, and, and stuff like that, uh, that, that is really good. And there's an author called Max Licardo, and we've got a few of his books there. And they make an appearance at bedtime. So the last thing my kids hear about, hopefully, is some sort of Christian-orientated words. Um, And if you're like, I'm not going to tell your kids off or tell them about Jesus, you know, kids like aliens now uh, that I've grown up. Get them a Christian book for their birthday or Christmas. You've not got kids in your life at all. Go and find a kid out there who doesn't have the enormous library my children do and bless them with a Christian book. You know, the parent might go... I'm not reading them that junk or they might go thank you very much you know you've thought of me and appreciated my child and you want to get involved and God bless you for that Um, we pray when we eat Miles takes over when we're saying grace doesn't matter who else tries he is there and in charge of blessing that food Um, and um, he may not always see the God element to it but I think it's good part of the pattern in life Um, And when we turn the lights out, we close in prayer. Let me finish with the book, because I like it. This is the last page of my little notebook. One day I will write the absolute last page of my book of life. You will too. That is life's only absolute certain prediction. Prediction. Yet we prepare for everything else with more care, even though everything else is tiny compared with this. The one unexpected feeling I had when I was present at my father's death was how big it was, how momentous, how heavy. It was bigger than anything I had experienced before, bigger than any event in life. No philosophy is worth your attention if it can't be professed on your deathbed. No philosophy is as important as a person. And there is only one person who has the answer to death. You know his name. May his name be your last word as it shall be mine. And then when we meet again in the land of beginnings, not endings, that will be a very merry meeting. All my love, your dad. Heavenly Father. We just take in our responsibility as adults towards the next generation, to these children that are running about and causing havoc in the next room. And Lord God, I just pray that we would be good custodians of them, that we would encourage in them a life-giving, life-breathing faith in our Saviour Jesus. Lord God, I pray that you would help us look out for them so that they would be thankful for us in their lives as they grow up. Lord God, um, I pray for all the parents in this room that you would look out for them and Holy Spirit guide them uh, so that they go to the right schools and uh, they read the right books and everything else. Uh, and all God's people said... Amen.